Welcome to Vibe Talk Awaken. I'm your host, Vibe Queen. On the show, we will get to know artists, entrepreneurs, and coaches living life in their truth after experiencing an awakening. We'll talk about their journey, wisdom, and any tools they've learned along their path. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome, everyone. I'm super excited to be recording another episode of Vibe Talk Awaken. I'm your host, Vibe Queen. And this week, we have a very special guest. He's one of my best friends, and that is A.C. Evan. So before we get into our conversation, I'm just going to share a little bit about who he is. So he is the CEO and founder of Artist Collective, which is a music development company based out of Chicago. Their main goal is to assist independent artists with strategies, tools, and the means to create a sustainable business out of their passions and get them back to the music in a conscious way. And this year, Artist Collective was also featured on Billboard as one of the best educational resources during COVID. And as a client of theirs, I can definitely attest that that's very true. So we're going to dive into that as well. So I'm very excited to have you on the show. AC Evan and I have also hosted a podcast together, a former season. So I'm excited to have you on here. How are you feeling? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Hell of an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. As I ask every single guest that uh, comes on the show, what has awakened you? Can you share with us what your spiritual journey has been like and what kind of shook you awake in, in the matrix? For sure. I think what really started it for me was definitely a divorce. I'll just go right in on it. Uh, a heavy breakup really made me look deep within and find my self-worth outside of a relationship. I started reading more mindful books. The Power of Now is as, as a new earth for me as well. I know that's one of your favorites. Eckhart Tolle, anything he, he touches is basically gold to that spiritual world. That kind of shook me awake. So it, it helped me drive me into thinking things that I've never really thought before. Wow. And so prior to that awakening, did you grow up with any kind of spiritual knowledge or was that completely left field for you? Can you share a little bit of your background? Yeah. So I was definitely born in a Christian household. My mom was a piano player, still is piano player for every single church we were ever a part of. She's incredible instrument, inst pianist, pianist. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> So that really opened my eyes to church and uh, religion and things like that. So I was pretty active in like youth group and going to, to meetings and Bible studies and whatnot. Never really clicked with me, if I can be totally honest. Never clicked with me just to be like, yeah, I totally believe this. I like the journey that everybody's taking. I love the community aspect and I think prayer is really powerful. Now in hindsight, I think prayer is powerful in a different way. I think it's powerful because it's, it's, as you always talk about, it's energy. It's almost like a law of attraction over speaking to an entity in the sky type of things. So I was very much raised Christian. And I think just recently, as you put it, three years ago or so, I really started to dive deeper into meditation and what spirituality really means to me, spirituality opposed to religion itself and what the differences really are. And I'm still discovering that. I'm definitely still awakening, if you will. And I love it. I, th I don't feel like we ever really get to that journey, that final destination. We're always just in on that awakening journey. And I, I just love it. That's awesome. Was there something uh, specific in uh, the power of now that you can share that kind of did click for you? Hmm. 
that story of him like sitting on a park bench for a long period of time was just like, what? Just opening my mind to like more of the monk mentality, if you will, that in movies growing up, just oh yeah, monks exist. But seeing it like, oh, this regular person who's a professor is doing this as well. That's crazy. We can take that journey too. So I remember that specific story and always talking about, there's another story where he shared towards the beginning, I believe, that was about a poor guy on the street who was like sitting on a box and it actually had gold. I'm totally botching this story. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And he's just asking for money and asking for money and people and some, finally somebody asks, oh, do you have you looked underneath that box? And he did and it was there was like actually like money in there when he was like giving the analogy of your consciousness of sorts. So he mm -hmm. gave a lot of cool analogies in there. I've never thought about it before. And I took a philosophy class in my community college. And I feel like that really helped plant the seed. This was way before my, my breakup and whatnot, but that really helped also in my eyes to like the possibilities of talking about the greatest philosophers of our time and things like that. So that really, I think, started it. So now fast forward to reading this book, it clicked. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that dude telling me in philosophy class about this stuff. Now I can really take it in as like a, a, an adult as opposed mm -hmm. to an 18 year old. I just feel like I was in a different place. Yeah, Power of Now is great. And then the New Earth, uh, New Earth is just incredible as well. I think I've listened to that a couple different times. Definitely an audiobook guy. But I'm finding now that, off topic, I'm finding now that I feel like I need both. I need the audio like learning aspect, the auditory learning, and to read it. So what I've been to, to really comprehend it, because I'll do the audiobooks and I enjoy it, but then I'm like, I need to listen to it again because I didn't really comprehend. So like taking a book and I'm actually reading it aloud to myself, and I'm finding that helps me comprehend it. It goes deeper into my mind, which is interesting. I was talking to this about, I was talking uh, to this about with my sister and she needs all of her senses activated in order to really comprehend things, which I thought was wild. She'll read a book, she'll read it aloud and she'll flip the pages on the side of the book to really get that tactile function in. And she'll like probably bite her lip or something. So she needs to do like multiple things wow. to comprehend it. There's a word for it. I don't remember. Wow. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Anyway. Yeah. Off topic. Wow. No, it's I think it's totally on topic. And the fact that she has the awareness to recognize what she needs to comprehend it is very powerful because sometimes we don't even know that. And perhaps kids that are learning in school, if they don't recognize that, they don't know how to properly absorb the information. And so I'm a big believer, and this is maybe off topic a little, but even when we're learning as children, it just becomes a memory game. How can we just memorize this? And so it's like when we're taking a test, are we actually showcasing what we learned or are we just regurgitating the information and it's just a matter of who has the best memory? You know what I mean? So it's, I think it's, it's very, the for sure. yeah, <laughs> it was for me, for sure. It's, did you actually learn it or are you just, is it just a matter of memory? So I think that's so very powerful. Something to also note with a new earth and power of now and any book that is about consciousness and things like that is that when you read it again, especially if you're on a spiritual journey, because your own level of consciousness is evolving and growing and unfolding, when you read a book like that again, you're always going to take away something new because your your consciousness is at a new point. 
And I'm definitely going to read that book again. You're going to take away something new every single time. So it's very interesting uh, to note. When's the last time you've read it? And what was the thing that you took take you took away when you read it last? A New Earth. It's been uh, a either or. Years. Okay. It's been a couple of years. I think it's just what I always take away from both of those books is just the the power that ego has over people. It mm -hmm. always hits me again and again. I think he talks about it more power of now because that's like when he starts to really um, talk about the ego. So just reminding me, oh yeah, that exists. And I try to take that with me in my mentor, in, in my mentorship posts and my clients mm -hmm. and everything, just trying to explain to them what that is and identifying, cool, that's not you talking, that's your ego talking. And let me explain why. So every time it's just a nice reminder every time I read those, but it's been a couple of years since I've read both of those. I've tried to go past those books and go into some other ones. Um, reading another one, still getting through it, it's called trans surfing which is shaping your own reality and there's 72 it's made where it's like there's 72 steps and you're supposed to read it and then do that step for that day and then the next day you read the next step and then you do that step and the one before it's pretty tough i'm, I'm going through it really slowly uh, but yeah apart from that book wise my coach actually sent me for Christmas, shout out David. He sent me a book called Tiny Habits that I've been very obsessed with, very obsessed with. And it really just breaks down. So he's the author is a psychologist and he's worked with giant companies like Weight Watchers to help them create programs around creative companies that help people create high habits. And instead mm -hmm. of thinking of it as great, I need to make I need to get my money together. Let's break that down into segmentations. How can you do little tiny things each day to get that overall goal? And it's that difference between process goals and outcome goals is I want to be rich. Great. What process goals are you going to do to help that out, that full outcome goal? So I really like tiny habits. It's really, it's almost, he gives a formula to creating and breaking habits. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, I'm enjoying that. I'm like chapter two right now. I just got it the other day, but there's a lot of exercises in it and it really helps me think of how to break habits, whether it's like poor spending and creating habits like going to the gym or doing something in business. So I'm trying to take that with me in my own life and also push that out to my clients as well. So I recommend that book. Absolutely. And so I know the main topic that we wanted to talk about is while you're on your awakening journey, maintaining that clear mindset as an entrepreneur, because that is what you do for the most part, full time, Monday through Friday. And so I wanted to ask you, especially with, with habits, what would be the thing for those that are listening that are perhaps on, on the path of wanting to become an entrepreneur like yourself, whether it is as an artist or running their, their own brand as an artist, what is the one habit you would recommend people implement to get on that road on the, on track to do that one habit to get on track to just get back to their passion you mean mm -hmm. setting your own goals like setting daily goals i use a technique called the pomodoro technique which is essentially just i think i've talked to you about this before on the podcast too but it's just so powerful to me is instead of being overwhelmed with all these different things that you do, you look at my house, I have a 18 different whiteboards with a bunch of different stuff. So it can get overwhelming, especially running your own business. But it's just like going back to those outcome and process goals, figuring out what you want to, what you want to solve. What I do is I 
create about three goals that I want three big outcome goals for the year. And I list out all the process goals that will help me get to that goal. Then take it just chunk by chunk. Great. I want this giant goal of making $100,000 in a year. It's just a random example. Mm -hmm. And so I have all these other goals to help me get there, which is maybe saving more, maybe investing more, maybe getting 10 clients for that month. So then taking it, taking that out and putting it into a day. Great. Today, what's going to help me get $100,000 for the year is I need 10 clients. So today I'm going to try to book five client calls, right? So just taking it chunk by chunk. And the Pomodoro technique is you would take that little, that one task that you want for the day, you'd write it down, you'd set a timer for 25 minutes, and you would focus on that one task. Notifications are going to come in. Your mom's going to call you. Your doorbell's going to ring. Ignore them. Do that one task until that timer goes off. Don't look at other things. I know you do it. I know I do it. We all do it. We're like, oh, ooh, another email? That, that could be important. It could be something. No, it's not important. Focus on that one task. Timer goes off. Take a break for five minutes. Go stretch your legs. Go do a little meditation. Go walk your dog. Then come back. Set the timer for 25 minutes. Do it again until that one task is complete. That has changed the way that I run business because before it was just like I had 12 things written on the board and I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that for five seconds until I get bored. And then I'm going to go on to the other thing. You know what I mean? It just wasn't productive with this. It's like you do that. And then by the end of it, you have even the short list of tasks that they're all checked off and you just have that. Whew, great. I felt like I got some stuff done finally. So I really enjoy that. I try to push that out to clients as well. And maybe that technique doesn't work, but it comes down to just, again, those tiny habits, those tiny tasks that you can do to chip away to get that big task. Because otherwise, you're just making new tasks and never completing anything. And I think from a, even from a scientific level, and I heard this on a podcast, is that there are a lot of things set up against you. So like the little ding on your phone, it's almost like a dopamine hit, yep. right? And so if you recognize that, have a little compassion with yourself, if you can turn your phone off and put it away, set yourself up for success. And so I like that you said, having that feeling of completion, those little tasks, even though it may seem silly, that's almost the equivalent of a dopamine hit of, okay, I checked that off. And so if you can continuously do that, you're building those tiny habits, which in essence, move you forward to completing that bigger goal. So I really like that a lot. I think that's cool. Yeah. Isn't that even small task of booking five client calls? Isn't that dopamine hit much better than going down the rabbit hole of checking your Instagram just to get the dopamine hit of getting 50 new likes? And then you'll go right. into your feed and then you'll get distracted and then it doesn't do anything for that big goal. You get exactly. a bunch of dopamine, you get a bunch of drug hits, but you don't really complete the task because you were just checking out Instagram and feeling good because you got validation from strangers. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's tough to break through that. We're all guilty of it. No judgment yeah. at all. But like, I, and that's another thing going back to your original question, like being self-aware, that's really what really yeah. drove me. That's the power of now really started to teach me. It was more than just like meditating on a bench. It was about being aware of what the heck you're doing and why you're doing it and understanding it. Oh, great. Without judgment too, without judgment of yourself. Oh, I'm going into Instagram a lot because I'm lonely and I want to get a bunch of likes or whatever it might be, understanding why you're doing it and then having the motivation to be like, all right, I need to change that is huge. It's life-changing. Mm -hmm. So that self-awareness piece, that's one of my top five core values that's changed in the past five years. Of course, it's now one top three, probably I would say just 
being aware of what I'm doing and why is really important. I love that you said that your value has changed because sometimes I believe we can stay very stuck and rigid of this is my value. This is who I am. And it's almost like we become very self-sabotaging because wait, I'm this, how can I change that? And I know for me, I've been very much in that mode, like my entire life, I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter. And so I felt because that's what I led with, that is where I, I felt like I couldn't do anything else. And I feel not until this past year, I was able to kind of branch off in that. And so I'm grateful for Artist Collective really because it, it gave me the permission to think outside of the box. And even this podcast, that was because of Artist Collective, of thinking outside of the box of, okay, how can I share another side of myself that isn't just music, but can show another glimpse of my personality? And so what I want to ask you is for those that are listening, how can they perhaps reinvent themselves or how can they perhaps do that without change, not necessarily changing their core values, but just being more vulnerable because I believe a lot of artists in in particular, and I can say that because I'm an artist as well, we, we tend to overthink. We tend to be perfectionists because it's our art. It's our craft. We want it to be just right before we put it out there. So what advice would you give to those that are listening that are like, I, I, I want to put myself out there. I want to share my journey, but I just don't really know how would, would one go about reinventing themselves and, and just putting themselves out there? What advice would you give? I think, yeah, figuring out if you haven't ever taken some kind of a core value training or just as simple as journaling what is important to you, do that first. If you have done it, do it again. I like to do it like every year or two just to see how things have changed. You're at a different place in your life. Your relationship might be over. A relationship might have started. And that's maybe family wasn't a, a top priority for you, but it could change in an instant where I think family is important to me now. You know what I mean? I'll give you uh, the, the cliff notes of my core values training. So maybe somebody just bring in some value to anybody listening right now. Look at three, three things. Ask yourself three questions. Think back in your life and what, when were you the happiest? Or just journal about that. What in your life made you the happiest? Was it graduating? Was it getting your new car? Was it getting your first job? Just journaling and just brain dumping anything that you can think of then what in your life made you the most fulfilled and satisfied? Yeah, fulfilled and satisfied. And then hopefully you'll have a, a good amount of stories right there. Then you can reflect on those stories and figure out what are some common themes. I've got a, I've got a list of core values. Otherwise, you can just Google it, like a bunch of lists of basically just words like strength and vulnerability and self-awareness. You'll reflect on those stories and then you'll look at this list of core values and be like, okay, that sounds this story. So then you can start to connect the dots if that makes sense. And eventually you'll come, you'll cross some out and you'll connect with some more and you'll hopefully have the top five or top 10 to help shape what your foundation is of you. That's important. Knowing yourself is important because then anything that doesn't fit that narrative is probably not something you should focus on. And that's something that was not hard for me necessarily, but a concept that I was like, but I want to do everything. You know what I mean? I want to be the best person I can be, but it's like you need to focus on those top things. So to answer your question, reinvent yourself, do something like that every once in a while, every year, January, the new year is always a time for people to create new year's resolutions. I think instead of that, instead of putting, I want to lose 20 pounds every single year, you should be like, who am I? <laughs> who am I now? What do I care about? Um, right. 
I think that's maybe more important. So that's what I meant by that, which is don't be afraid to reinvent yourself. Like, like you said, don't feel like you need to be stuck in that mold you set for yourself. And that kind of goes along with people you hang around. If these are your values and then you're, you look at the people around you and they don't hold those same values, there's some disconnect there. Maybe you want to think about ripping yourself away from them. And that's also a, a, a tough thing from my experience. I don't, take on too many like therapist type of clients, but in the end, sometimes I feel like it's, you want to do this, these things, but your group of people over here is pulling you down. They want to party a bunch. They're doing cocaine or they're doing a bunch of like crazy stuff. It's not matching what your narrative, what you've set your narrative to be. Maybe it's time to, to rethink that. And that's hard. Change is, is difficult for some people, especially with friends and family. Even I feel like even with this election and all of this stuff happening this year with the pandemic, it's ripping families apart because I think people are starting to like, they're forced inward. They're hanging out at home and they're forced to look at themselves and be like, what do I value? Oh man, there's not other people that uh, people around me don't value that. So what's happening and hate to see that happen in the family, but it does happen. Yeah, absolutely. You just touched on so many things right there. For sure, I had a question, I just lost it. I just was like, whoa. Yeah, one thing I wanna to touch on is that when I went through my divorce, one of the things that my ex-husband said that triggered me, but now I'm grateful that he said it, was that he said, you have no idea who you are. And I remember that haunted me for a long time because I'm like, I know who I am. What are you talking about? And now in hindsight, I was like, wow, you are so right. Because he was in the music industry. He still is. Or at least I think so. I don't know. I don't keep tabs. But I was in this girl band and everything was taken care of for me. I didn't really understand the business. And the truth is I didn't really want to, right? Because I just wanted to show up, sing and dance. And so this identity was created for me in a sense. And so to touch on the whole reinvent yourself, Something that, you know, when we were on the Clubhouse platform yesterday, I believe his name was Jonathan, he said this and it really stuck with me. He said that if you don't know who you are, no, Vinny said this actually, Your, Vinny said this, if you don't know who you are, somebody else is going to tell you who you are. Mm. And so that really resonated with me because that, that tends to happen with a lot of artists. And so I think it's important, especially if you're listening to this and you are an artist, it's okay if you're working on your music, you're working on your craft. Yes, definitely release it and put it out there, but take that time to figure out who you are. And if you're listening to this and you're unsure, that's okay too. Take this time to go inward and sort that out and build that foundation. And if that takes some time, that's totally fine. I feel like now at where I'm at in my life, I finally have a sense of where I'm at and what my brand is and what I want to share with the world and what my purpose is and what I want people to know me for and what the messaging is. Only now, it took me a while. And yeah, I just wanted to share that because I think that's so important. Sometimes we get so caught up in the in the end result, in the, the I want the six figures, or I want the check mark, or I want the, the fame, or I want the tour, I want the notoriety, but, or I wanna be an influencer, for example, but what, what but why, what's the purpose? So what is it, what are those, conversations look like when you talk to your clients, when you get somebody who's really about the, these are my goals, they're very driven or ambitious perhaps, and perhaps they even have a budget to work with your company. How do you get them back to, hey, let's scale it back a bit and let's get to the why. How do you get through to them and, and let them know you need that foundation? Are you Yeah. I basically, once they jump on board, it's usually, like you said, 
and again, no judgment. It's always, I want to get more Spotify streams. I want to get, I want to start making money. I want to sell merch. I want to get fans. I get that. Cool. But in order to get that, you do need that foundation. And I think it's just how I get through to them. It Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes time me planting seeds. Maybe they're not even a client yet. And I just, that's what my content is about. And I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Like it takes years for people to really get through and be like, all right, that person's right. I shouldn't care about Spotify streams before I care about what my message is. So that's what my feeds are all full of is trying to plant those seeds again and again, because one day they'll wake up and they'll get an advice from somebody else and they'll be like, Evan's right. I've been reading on his Instagram for three years now to X, Y, and Z to look inward and use your own message. Or like you, like you said earlier, like use that uncertainty of who you are as your message. There's mm. plenty of people out there that can empathize and be like, wow, I'm uncertain about who I am too. Like, why can't you use that? It, that's uncertainty is a story too. <laughs> so use what you got. yeah, use what you got. And I think again, on the clubhouse last night, Jonathan even talked about using that story to connect with your fans. And to go back to your original question, you, I talk about that once they jump on board and they hire us and, and my team to figure out their brand. That's the first thing we talk about is great. Forget Spotify exists. Forget about Instagram. Forget about social media. Forget about everything. Why are you doing this? What is your why? I want to get famous. Great. That's not it. <laughs> That's not your why. What you, What's your story? Is it because your mom passed away when you were little and the last thing she gave you was a ukulele? Like, okay, sorry that happened, but that's your story. Use that. Figuring out what your drive is the hardest hump to get over, to be honest. Because when you're clear about your story, you'll get fans. You'll get streams. You, that'll all come. It may not come as fast as you want. It's a byproduct of it, 100%. So figuring out what, why you're doing this and what message you're wanting to get across is crucial. And there's another book that I'm reading. It's called Building a Story Brand. It's written by, I think Donald Miller is the author. It breaks down. So I read a lot of books on branding as well on top of like spirituality, not to get off topic from the spiritual stuff, mindfulness stuff. But I think this is important too, worth noting that he has taken the formula that we see in TV shows, in movies, in all of this narrative, because we as human beings were what? The best thing that we are are storytellers. Mm -hmm. We tell stories, whether it's TV shows or books or whatever. So he is taking that formula of every, think about every movie you've ever thought of from Star Wars to a romantic comedy. It's a hero of the story. They have some kind of turmoil that they need to get across, and they usually have a guide that guides them to, to that transformation. Every story is that. Tell me one that's not. You can't. So right. what you do as a business and as a brand at, and as a musician is people, artists in particular, because they like to be a little more egotistical than, than most <laughs> for other psychological reasons I won't get into, but they think they're the hero of the story. And that's not right. They're not the hero of the story. The fan is the hero. The, the customer is the hero. Whether I sell toothbrushes or I'm selling my music, the person buying your product or listening to you is the hero. So put that narrative into your brand. Changer. They're the hero and you as the business owner or musician, you're the guide. You're guiding them to that. So it's like, 
mind blowing. It's mind blowing. It's so simple. It's so simple because you see that again and again. Apple does it fantastic with their ads. It's not look at this brand new product. It's usually this is what you're going through. This is what you're trying to change your life to. This product might help with that. And I'm going to guide you through it. So as a musician, you need to do that. You need to take that same formula and say, great. I'm just going to brainstorm here. I'm a musician and I create, let's say just like sad rap music, right? Figure out who your target audience is. Probably like teenagers that are with that teen angst. Great. What they're the hero. What transformation you're trying to get them to. You're trying to get them through hard times, break up with their girlfriend at the creek or something, whatever. So know what their story is and create the narrative that helps them get there. You're the guide. So whether that's content that paints the picture that they're going through, whatever, like reverse engineering, things like that is going to help you because most artists that I see out there, they think they're the hero and it's all about them. And they're posting, you know, cool photos and videos about them, but it's not about them. That's why it's not working because they're not connecting with their audience. They're like, I don't want to see all these fancy videos of you. Like, what about me? They're the ones supporting. Wow. You just dropped a huge (laughs) gem. Wow. My mind is just, it makes so much sense. And it's interesting because I think those that are on a spiritual journey, especially those that are artists tend to do that organically. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to host our clubhouse tonight. So I feel like I'm really excited about that. So if you guys are listening, you're not on that platform, definitely get on that platform. It's amazing. But I think those that tend to go through some sort of awakening, they do that organically because they become more vulnerable. And so they tend to share that side of them. However, the pitfall, and this is where I think Artist Collective comes in, and this ties in our topic of today of being conscious while keeping a clear mindset in business is that... Yes, you can then become vulnerable and share all of that, but don't lose, don't lose track of them becoming intentional. Mm. And so that's the side piece then. Like you can share all of that, but then also be intentional with your messaging. So can you share with us how an artist can then, if they're doing all of the things you just mentioned, being vulnerable, being the guide so that their customers, their fans are the hero, how can an artist then convert that basically? Like how how do they make that formula work? How does the book share that? You mean convert that as in like to a sale? Yeah. Or a fan, a super fan. Honestly, just having something available on the other end. You're in the, you're in the click funnels funnel world. If you're taking them on this journey and that it, and you don't have anything at the other end, whether it's to even something small, like my page or donate something or join my fan membership it's basically like a movie ending with no resolution gotcha same idea you have nothing to get you know what their goal is but you have no way for them to dive in deeper like you're that's what you're missing you're not going to pay your rent on on royalties within the first five years i'm just gonna tell you that so you're getting your spotify streams up right now is gonna do nothing for you you're gonna you're going to be old and gray before that happens. The mass majority of people. Yeah, things happen. Things pop off. So having something else there, like the end goal should not be getting streams. You're going to get pennies for it. Don't do it. Don't worry about it. What other things can you offer? Think outside of the box. So getting them to convert, you're, to go back to your question, you're taking them on this journey. You're creating the narrative around what your ideal customer or super fan is going through in their lives. Cause that's what music is there for to do. I would hope that's the journey you want to help heal. 
you want to help heal or get people through things with your acoustic rock song, or you want to help people party with your turn up trap beat, whatever it is, you're, there's a narrative there. So having something at the end is important. Otherwise, you're just helping them party all day, every day. And then what's that? What, how, you're not guiding them to anything. So having an end goal in mind and just knowing what that journey is most of the battle. So yeah, filling out the funnel at the end. Gotcha. And I think that's the biggest miss that I even missed for a long time, because I think as an artist, you're, you get so caught up, at least for me, I can only speak for myself. I don't want to generalize, but for me as an artist, I got so caught up for a long time and I just want to create music. I want to perform. That's the job I'm signing up for live shows, maybe a merch, maybe a t-shirt or a hat, right? Those typical things. So I don't want to think about anything else. Why can't my Spotify streams pay my rent and live shows? And so I think in a weird way, this lockdown forced, at least for me, it forced me to step up my game and, and think of, okay, how else can I monetize memberships and other things for people to get that end result like you talked about? where music almost becomes, yeah, you're an artist that's there, but that's not how you're actually gonna pay your bills. And so it's almost a disservice if you're listening to this and you're an artist, it's almost a disservice that if you have a super fan, they fall in love with you. If you don't have anything available, it's okay. You just did all of this work, you're sharing, you're vulnerable, and then you don't have anything for them to spend money on. It's what are you doing? And something available that fits that narrative. Exactly, exactly. Like. Is them buying a dad hat really going to help them with their problem? They might buy it because they really enjoy you because you are helping them with their problem. It's not just a problem. Maybe it's just healing. I'm not saying you're a musician. You need to suddenly be a coach and help them through right, things. Right, that's right. not what I'm really trying to say. And I think that's a bandwagon that everybody's getting on. Everybody's wanting to be a coach of something. I get it. That's the new thing right now. But you don't have to do that. But just understand what your music, what is your music doing for people? reverse engineer that figure out that you're the guide what you're guiding them to and then a product or something at the end for them to hell maybe it's just hey if, if you think that my music has helped you pay what you want on Bandcamp. or here's a tip jar we talked i was in a room the other day that somebody was talking about yeah they woke up and somebody just tipped them a thousand dollars because they were on the narrative they were vulnerable with that story and it hit with that person's hard that they empathized with them so much that they were moved to pay their rent for the month. Wow. So that's things like that. So that's a lot better. You know how many streams it would take to, to get that? A lot. <laughs> we could do the math right now. <laughs> so serious. Actually, I am share that. I think see perspective is so important in that. And I think that's where Spotify and iTunes and major labels and this whole narrative that has been fed to us, we can just shift away. We can take our power back. But I think a lot of people are waking up to that fact where you don't even need a lot of followers to be able to pay your rent. You can do that with a lot less people following you if you have the right people following you. And that's a game changer. So I love that. Something yeah. you, you posted about. Oh, did you do the math? Yeah, if I did the math right, it's 200,000 streams. You're kidding. Mm -hmm. Wow. Let me triple check that while you're talking because I'm so curious. Yeah, that's perspective right there. 200, that's some, a lot of my clients get that in a year. <laughs> $4,000. Yeah. And wow. that's assuming that was just Spotify numbers. Yeah, I did the math right. Yeah, that's perspective. 
That's a post right there. That's a post right yes. there. Yes. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Something I want to ask you about is you posted on your IG that 2020 was the year of vulnerability. Do you feel now that we're nearing the end at the time of this recording, it's December 30th. So do you feel that if you could reflect on 2020, do you feel you've lived up to that? 1000%. Let's even step back from like business, just personal life. Definitely pushed myself. And I didn't do it alone. I had friends like yourself to push me in different directions. And that's what I think we all really need. But vulnerability for me was what, was what 2020 was about. Y'all maybe just listening to this, but I dyed my hair pink, jumped <laughs> out of an airplane. I took a couple giant leaps, scary leaps within our business that I never had done before. We hired, we took, we did a giant campaign with a publicist for the first time, which landed us on billboard. But at the time, in hindsight, it was great. But at the time it's like, yo, is this a waste? Are we ready to do this or X, Y, and Z? So being vulnerable there took some vulnerability and relationship, personal relationships, romantic and friendships, all of it. So it's definitely, definitely pushed myself. The plane one was the craziest thing and never thought I would ever jump out of an airplane. Wow. And so what is the word for 2021? Awakening. <laughs> I love it. And what does that, I guess, look like for you? Do you have, I know you definitely meditate and journal and things like that, but what does awakening further look like for you? I think it's, it's a fantastic question. I think continuing those habits and pushing myself I think every year technically is the year of vulnerability, if I can just tag on to that. So continuing to be vulnerable in different areas and pushing myself into creating new habits. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. New, new habits that are, is going to push my consciousness. Maybe that's not necessarily watching a whole bunch of new documentaries or anything like that, but just continuing to push myself in, in new directions, spiritually and physically. I'm 31, want to get my body into, in, into good, into better shape. I'm at the, I'm at the physical peak of my life, which is sad to say, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just continuing to take care of my body. I think our mutual friend, Rachel helped with that as well. Just like seeing her focus on treating her body, like the temple it is quote unquote, it was very motivating to me just to see that. And it's like, I never really did that. I just thought you're know, working out was a waste of time. That's something that I could just, it's time wasted that I could be growing my business, but I think continuing that path as well, is going to be top of top of mind for me. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I have, I have my friend who's very much into meditation. And so he has a similar mindset. Oh, working out is a waste of time. I can be growing my consciousness and like meditation is almost like working out the brain. And, and then you have people like Rachel, other people that are into fitness meditation. I can be working out my body's my temple. Why meditate? And then other people that are very business focused, why would I sit in silence? That's a waste of time. I can be growing my business. And so you have all of these different perspectives. And the one thing I'm now realizing is that if you can have all of them in alignment, imagine where you can be then. If you can spend time growing your business, of course, yes, you still got to pay your bills. I get that. But if you can spend time raising your consciousness, sitting still, being able to be still, and also working on your body. So you can have natural energy and not crash and be able to show up 
with a clear mind, what would that look like? So I, I agree with you. I think that's awesome. Can you share with us how meditation has changed your life? Because I still hear from people, they come into my DMs here and there and meditation, does that really help? What is the point? And I know how it's helped me and I've talked about it time and time again. So I always like to ask other people, how has meditation really helped you and how do you apply it in real life? Sure. Try to meditate at least. It's not something, anything crazy, like I'm going to meditate for, you know, four hours of the day. Right, I try right. to just do small bits, 10 minutes when I first wake up, 10 minutes before I go to bed, things like that. Maybe 10 minutes on the train or something during some downtime. But how it's helped me in my day to day is clarity and decreasing my reaction time. I think that was a big thing for me being able to see, and I know you are fantastic at this and you'll even verbally say this out loud. I was just triggered by this and that. I feel like I'm getting to be a professional at that as well. And meditation, I feel helps you do that because you are sitting with your thoughts and you're understanding why you're being more self-aware, of course. So when something happens and you're, somebody yells something at you, instead of just being like, ah, and like reacting, I can take a moment and save space and say, okay, how do I want to respond? And this all happens in like a millisecond. It's incredible. I can't, it's hard to even describe. So I think that's really helped me because I was a very angry child. I yelled and screamed and I would react to things. And just even as a young adult, I feel like, so this has really helped me slow things down and cut down on my reaction time and just sit with that feeling without judgment. That's a big thing in meditation wow. and spirituality and things like that. It's like sitting in it without judgment at all. And that was what really helped me was the, the Headspace app because it, it came at it in a very approachable, an approachable way where they walked you through sitting with that. And if a thought comes in, don't judge it, just acknowledge it, let it go, let it float away and just go realign and come back to your breath. And I feel like I take that with me when somebody speaks to me, I try to be present. Before that, I was texting on my phone and trying to multitask. And now I'm catching myself like, oh, somebody's trying to talk to me. This is rude. I'm gonna put this down. I don't need that. I need to just stay connected with this conversation right now. Whether I think it's important or not, that's irrelevant. It could be changing my life and I'm over here like tweeting something like that doesn't help anybody. So just being to recap that word vomit right there helps me stay present and it helps me on cut down on my reaction time essentially the same thing helps me stay present i feel like it's the same answer <laughs> wow no i think that's great i love that and i love that you said that it doesn't matter if what they're saying is important or not it's irrelevant I think that's key. Sometimes that can be our, our ego as well. And I think also just being present and making the other person realize that you are present and that they feel heard. Mm -hmm. That is important. So even if, like you said, what they're saying is irrelevant, whatever, just the fact that you are there holding space and they feel that you have their undiv undivided attention, that in and of itself is key and important, especially in business and in networking. That goes a long way. Would you not say? 100%. Because... They might just be telling you about some magazine that they read the other day and you're just like, I'm not really interested. I'm going to do this. Yeah. You know, they always say that first impression, every impression is your first impression over time because you're distant and you're dis disconnected and you're not, and you're not saving space as you put it. They are going to know that. And that's going to, they're going to take that 
with them. And if you continue to do that every time you talk to them, they're going to disconnect from you. And then maybe you don't have a connection in the future. Maybe they can't help you with this thing. Or maybe the friendship is just dead because they're like, I'm not hanging out with them because they're always disconnected. And they may not even know that. And they may, they may not be aware enough to know why they aren't connected with you anymore. But it's a subconscious thing. Like you'll distance yourself from, from people that are constantly just talking about themselves and not that's something I'm learning as an adult. Like I'm able to, I'm able now to identify when people are like, okay, these people are just all about themselves. Like I'm, I'm big into listening to others. That's why I feel like I'm, I really enjoy being a coach is because <laughs> the coaching is more of listening than talking at people. And I think that's what a lot of coaches are, are miss nowadays as well is they're all about, they're being a coach because they're, they're, they're a mentor because they want to yell at people and, and push off their opinions on others. But I think most of what I do is just listening. And I think I've gotten better at that with this meditation. Yeah. Yeah. You just made me realize something because I, I did another podcast earlier and they mentioned that traditional therapy, they did traditional therapy for about two years and it wasn't very impactful. And when they worked with a coach for about eight weeks, that had more of an impact. And it wasn't one-on-one, -on -one, it was through a community that had more impact than a traditional one-on-one -on -one therapy. And so that was very like, wow, to me, because I've never done traditional therapy. And so it was very interesting that was more impactful. And so now what you're saying that a, a good coach listens more than they speak, what that's telling me is that it empowers the person who's working with the coach to realize the power is really within them and they're healing themselves. And I think that's where actual change happens in transformation is giving people the tools that they realize they actually have the power to do it themselves. And that's really where transformation happens. Whereas here, let me just write you a prescription, take this. It's just a bandaid. You're getting to the core issue and empowering other people. Would you agree yeah. or? Yeah, a couple things there before I forget. One, my sister is a therapist and I've taken uh, traditional therapy as you put it. And that's essentially what they are doing as well. They're, that's why you need to look at, oh, the psychologist is sitting writing things. Oh, how does that make you feel? They're asking questions. They're guiding you to that answer. A good therapist, at least. They'll, they'll take you in that direction. And two, let's take full circle. That's the story brand, right? the power let's look at let's look at star wars somebody some random person didn't come in and save the day somebody didn't do the work for them the person the the hero of the story had a guide that's therapy that's coaching you're the guy that's just tying back into what i was talking about before you have to take them on that journey and realize that they're they have the power as you put it to make that change and you're just helping them through it and no, nobody can come in with a magic wand and be like, all right, cool. You want to be a star? Yeah, I'm going to do all this stuff over here. And that's what I think a lot of artists want is they want a manager to just jump in and just do all the work for them. Yeah. That's a fairy tale, y'all. It's a fairy tale. Even the greatest managers, they need, they're only as good as their, their artist is working as well. They need some assistance. They're, they're going to help guide you through that narrative to what goal you want to get to, but they're not going to do the work for you. It's, it's just false. Such a good point. So in your opinion, is that why sometimes super talented people, they have an amazing voice or they're really good looking and they have an amazing voice or, but yet they don't make it right. What, what do you feel is missing? Is it that work ethic? Is it that, is that what's not clicking? A vague question to answer. Maybe. I wouldn't necessarily, because I know people that you're describing all of that, but they also do have the work ethic. So it's a lot of different things. 
person I'm thinking of right now, they just are scattered. They want to do it. Do they want to do a lot of stuff? They have the work ethic, but they don't have the focus. Okay. That's why let's talk, let's talk about coaching real fast. Cause I know that, like I mentioned before, there's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of mentorships. There's a lot of programs you can hire people on. That's the new formula across all industries, specifically the music industry. The idea of a manager coming in, doing all the work for a fraction of what you could be making is over. Those could exist when you get up there and they're making a hundred thousand dollars plus. That's great. But the coaches, the reason that those work is for one, they're high ticket, meaning it's a good amount of money, thousands of dollars to hire a coach. They don't have a secret formula. I'm going to tell you, we don't have a secret formula that you couldn't figure out on your own. I tell that to people when we're on a call. Cool. This is our price. But I'm going to tell you right now, you technically could do all of this, but you're not going to most likely because guess what? That high ticket offer one compensates for the coach's time, but it wakes you up that it needs to sting a little bit, right? Oh, I'm going to drop $1,000, $10,000. They're going to hyper-focus and get it done. So that's a piece of it as well. It's something worth mentioning because I think it is a taboo thing to talk about and what better place to talk about it than right here. Why coaches charge so much? One is to compensate. It's accountability. You, where are you mo most likely to work out and change your life? The $20 gym at the corner or a personal trainer you're going to hire for $1,000. They don't have a secret formula. They're telling you to work out in these machines and do freaking push-ups. But you're like, oh, man, you have that. You're pumped. You just emptied your bank account. You're going to get your transformation is going to happen. I'm telling you. It's a good so point. that helps. And a lot of times I see people that still shell that out and money isn't like a problem. So then it still isn't. So there needs to be another motivator to get you to that, to get you to that point. Such a good point. So it's the pain point. It's, it's yeah, it, it needs to sting a little bit too. And some people are like, oh, you're taking advantage of artists. And it's like, yo, for one, it's payment for our time. People should be compensated for that time. And if there's plenty of other options, you could do, you could go and do it yourself, but you probably will not do it. For me, it's yeah, I go to the gym, but if I went and hired somebody to come to my house, or even if I had to go do that, I'm going to change. I'm, I'm going to change my body. I'm going to definitely take it seriously. So yeah, it's just about that accountability I think is big and it does need to sting a tiny bit. So I think your original question was like, what are they missing? Is it the work ethic? Could be a, a slew of different things. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm trying to think of my own habits and my own things in my own life. And it's true. When I hired a personal trainer and I saw the money leave my bank account. Yeah, I, I did it because now the money is gone. I have to show up. Yeah. There's a level of accountability when you spend money on something. So I definitely can agree with you. And also on the flip side, you want to, of course, hire someone that knows what they're talking about. You don't want to just, you know, shell it out to anyone. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. So that's a good point. And I love the fact that you're being very open and transparent about that, because I don't think there's any shame in that. People should be compensated for their time. Absolutely. And I think if you're upfront about that and you let people know, yeah, you can do it yourself, but this is what you're paying for and this is why people are probably more likely to trust you and you can then also have a clean conscious. This is how I'm running my business. Yeah. I think that that makes a lot of sense. With that being said, how do you network and build relationships in a conscious way? What advice would you give to people when they're trying to network, especially in the music industry, 
because I know for me, back in the day, it was very much an attitude. What can you do for me? Here's my business card, or this is what I'm looking for. And I feel there's definitely a shift happening and people want to, to get to know you more and see what you're about. Do you have a formula for this or do you just go in with no expectations and just have a genuine conversation or what do you do? I'm curious to hear what your approach is. Yeah. So we run for all ours collective members. We run monthly virtual meetups now. It used to be in person. The virtual meetups are super dope though. Got another one coming up in a couple of days, but this is what I always start those meetups with. It's like be for one to answer your question. No, definitely don't go in with no expectation. I think that's okay. But with no expectation, you'll get no results because okay. you, you know, you're not going to be, <laughs> there's nothing to succeed or fail there. So two things, what value do you bring? And what value are you looking for? Simple as that. Great. I'm a producer. I want to make a bunch of beats. The value I bring is being able to make beats and music for people. The, the value I'm looking for is maybe sync licensing, for instance. Great. How you can help others and you know what you need from other people to help you. Being very clear about that. That is much more important than you listing off all of your accolades or what your title is or what you've done in the past. Those two are the most important to my, in my opinion. So what I'm seeing not work on, on places like Clubhouse for networking is people come in there like, yeah, I'm a Grammy nominated this and that. I'm a rapper. I have, a, I have an award for this. It's like, great, cool. But what value do you bring? Like, that, that's cool. Those are very amazing things. Congratulations. But how can you help others? And what are you exactly looking for? You just flexed on me real fast and didn't really provide anything. So consciously, to consciously network, you need to consciously know both of those things. What you're do, what you need, what you're trying to accomplish, and what you can help, what how you can help others. Because I think bringing value, and honestly, that one's the most important. You need to bring value first and foremost to other people. And if you can't bring value to any other people, then I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Such a good point. I love that. There's balance in everything. Because I definitely went through a phase of I'm just going to have no expectations. I'm just going to show up and be genuine and just make friends. And so even though that came from a good place, just like you said, if you don't have any expectations, you're not going to have any results and you have no info, you have no focus and no intention. And so then you're just collecting information, but nothing's going to happen. So I love that you're very, you have a specific formula, if you will. So I think that's very key. Another question I have before we wrap up this interview, what is an unpopular opinion you have, especially in 2020? I feel like so many things have come to light. I know we're good friends, obviously. <laughs> you, you've seen my awakening journey and the things I've shared which many people have disagreed with me and a lot of people have agreed with me, but what are, what's an unpopular opinion you have that you would love to share with us? All right. I'll give you two options. You want to okay. stick with businessy stuff or you want more of a fun, really out of the box than what we've been talking about this whole time. I say, let's do something fun. We've dropped a lot of gems on business. Yes. Um, an unpopular opinion I have is that the pyramids were not built by man alone. Interesting. Okay, let's hear it. That's it. That's <laughs> I do not think human beings created <laughs> these wonderful pyramids in with that 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 much precision at that time in the world alone. There's just almost out of the blue in history, Sumerians like they just created what math and science and created this amazing structure no 
I, I, I call it hogwash. No, not happening. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I don't know if you you heard, but Joe Rogan just shared that in the in the I won't say the word because I don't want to get censored, but in the C bill, there was a disclosure that there's a countdown of 180 days until aliens will be announced. Have you heard about that? No. Yeah, Joe Rogan posted about it. So I'm like, okay, what's about to happen? So you may be right. So I don't know. This is crazy. I don't know if that's going to be like a hoax or if that's for real. Well, they are so, already like the FBI has already released some of the classified files, like basically saying, yeah, these actually are UFOs. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, guys, we'll, we'll see. We're literally going into a new era of, of a new earth, quite literally. So it's pretty wild. Have you always had that opinion or was that something you that kind of clicked for you this year? Wait a minute. This isn't just a conspiracy theory that's fun. I actually think this is legit. Definitely not this year. It's been something I've been sitting on for a minute. It was maybe 2016 or 17, I believe. My friend Danny had me watch. I was staying with him for a while while I was going through that beginning phase of my awakening. So I was already, my mind was already open up and like vulnerable to new ideas at the, at that time. So I was staying with a friend and he opened me up to this documentary it was more of, wasn't a documentary. It was more of just like a PowerPoint presentation that this dude was doing. It was like the worst quality ever. That's the coolest informational things that I'm, I'm experiencing are the ones that aren't overly produced, which there's a reason for that. Well, we won't get into that, but it was Michael Tillinger. If anybody wants to check him out, Michael Tillinger did an entire presentation on breaking down all of the pyramid structures and what they were actually, he believes they were actually made to do. It was basically my first light into the Anunnaki, which I believe are the ancient aliens that everybody suspects are the ones that created the pyramids or at least helped man create the pyramids. There's some other pretty crazy, not crazy, unheard of hypothesis about them, but essentially he like broke down, he like physically went to all these locations around the world and he found over 100,000 remains of what he believes was pyramids, meaning there was no exits, there was no entrances, it wasn't structures, it was just old pyramids that were there and he broke down exactly what they were made to do, which were energy sources energy, yeah. for, a certain, for a certain reason, gravitational energy sources. He also broke down, because it was more of just like speculation, like dude had evidence, dude had photos and heavy hypothesis of some interesting things where he was showing what he really believed was used to make these actual tools and devices that he found. There's a dude in somewhere in the US, like Arkansas, I think that he he boiled water and cooked an egg by using sound alone. And there was a video of it. And so it all comes back to sound, which is another, I was just like, whoa, I'm in the business of sound. So it's like what they really used was they, they were using sound to create specific waves and gravitational forces, which I believe those were used to create the pyramids. So we, Y'all, we didn't make it by ourselves. It's too much precision when you look at the pyramids, long story short. And we can barely even recreate it from my from my like research. We, at, in 2020 right now, we can barely create the pyramids with our tools now with that precision. Like, they did not do that with pulleys and levers. <laughs> There's just no way. No yeah, way. It's, it's, it's crazy. When I was watching this documentary on Cosmic uh, Disclosure, that's the show on Gaia, 
there this dude he was talking about how he went when he was out of space there's music in out of space and he basically oh. said that you can identify like you your consciousness can tune in to where earth is and tune in to where other places are and that music plays a really big part of all of this and that frequency is a big part of all of this and where your vibration resonates that's how you attract pretty much everything and so music is a really big part of how we're all connected and so it's pretty wild because it's your own vibrations too uh, as as your own being outside of music you create your own vibration wild i want to ask you really quick about one more thing uh, before we wrap up because you mentioned the anunnaki and i know you're pretty well versed on that and so you just dropped that can you tell people really quickly a quick summary of just what that is so they're an alien being or can you just touch on that really quick <laughs> yeah so if you're really interested in this there's a book called the 12th planet that was written by zachariah stitchin i have not read it full disclosure i've read things on it i haven't read it it's ginormous it's basically Zechariah was the one who translated what's called the green tablets that were found in ancient Samaria that are that it is believed to be the oldest written document on this planet. Older than the Bible, older than everything. It is believed that all of the stories that we know from all religions are tied back to the green tablets. They talk about stories that were in the Bible in much more detail. They talk about the great flood that we all know is the Noah's flood. That's in there. And it was it's dated by the rock that it's made from, that it was older than anything we've ever found that's written. So it, it, it in detail, it describes the Anunnaki being ancient aliens that came here. There's They came from a planet called Nibiru. Like, it is highly detailed. They came here to... Basically, my wow, we're going real deep in the waking hey, right now. Um, <laughs> what it states is that they came here thousands and thousands of years ago. I don't know, I don't have the exact number on the top of my head to be honest, but they came here to mine gold from this planet. It's said that they that their planet was suffering a similar thing with what our planet is suffering from, which is gold, global warming, and they believe that they could take gold particles because it's very reflective and smash it all up and put it into the air and it would reflect the harmful sun rays so their planet wouldn't go extinct so they needed our they needed gold and that really stuck with me because let's think about it. when you look at like ancient egypt and stuff there are all these pharaohs they're always mining gold why why is gold because it's shiny how many other shiny objects are everywhere in the world why gold where did that even begin let's think about that Money didn't even exist. The, the Sumerians created that, that idea. So it's like, where did that come from? So they were mining gold for a different reason is what I believe. So the Anunnaki is here to mine gold. If you want to go even deeper, it's said, this might, this might blow some people's minds on the other end. Please don't shoot the messenger. But they didn't want to do all this hard work. They're aliens. They're interesting, like powerful beings, but they don't probably don't like to do work. So they wanted to create people they wanted to create something to help them mine this gold. So they created human beings. It's said right. that they created us. They took their, they spliced their own DNA with the DNA of the animal being that lived on this planet, primates. They put it into one and we are now here at their will. They created us. Now we're, you look at ancient Egypt, everybody's just like, 
<laughs> mining gold and creating these pyramids. And it said that the pyramids were made to take gold back to their planet because it is a gravitational um, energy source using the earth. Um, Zachariah Sitchin, I'm sorry, um, Mac Michael Tillinger talks about this uh, a lot as well, that the earth actually rings like a bell. It actually creates energy waves in the aspect of sound. So they use the pyramids to, they, they rang the earth and use the pyramids to send gold back to their planet, whether it's beam me up Scotty type of stuff, or it just sends it up there. I'm not sure how it worked, but that's pretty much it. And when you look at that, this could be earth shattering for some people. Maybe you don't believe it. That's fine. I'm still, yeah, it's just interesting. It's a different a new perspective. When you look at the idea of who we see as God, they created, he created us in his image, right? Isn't that what the Anunnaki did? They created right. us in their image because they literally took DNA and put it with monkeys and made yeah. us. All and we yeah, we always talk about the people who don't believe in evolution. They're like, there's this big jump from monkey to us. What's that missing link? That missing link that everybody talks about. It's believed that the Anunnaki is the missing link. So crazy stuff. If y'all are interested in that, yeah, I recommend the 12th planet, my, Michael Tillinger. And just that's what this, I feel like, podcast is about, what you're trying to do. We're not trying to tell you what's real and what's not. I'm just trying to open your mind to new ideas that you were just like, I never thought of that before. I want to awaken my consciousness and think about something new. And if you do your research and you're like, yeah, this is bullshit. Like, I'm not, I don't believe that that's fine. We all, all have right. that. Yeah. And you've just inspired me. I'm probably going to record a solo episode after this because there's just so much to that. I know I sent a documentary to you maybe yesterday that literally talks about where we're maybe heading into now, you know, what I mm -hmm. talked about with the vaccine and tying it to our banking and this new, the way our money is going to go. And I was talking to this, talking about this with another friend is like, oh, that's never going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? There's a part of me that hopes it does happen. And we'll, we can end this episode on this because here's the thing. As crazy as all of this sounds, and especially in 2020, and like first with the masks and now with the vaccines, and those of you listening, again, no judgment. And if you feel a little triggered right now, maybe look at that. Again, maybe look at that. And so there's no judgment here. Whatever you decide to do is totally fine. However, if you are also listening to this and you feel like, oh, this is so crazy what they're doing. Every time something crazy happens or there's another lockdown or something happens that you don't agree with, more people tend to also research and, and for lack of better words, wake up. And with my theory, that video I shared with you with this idea of ID 2020, and if you guys aren't familiar, look into that. And that's the whole great reset and the idea that our money, as we know it, is not going to exist and that the vaccine is traceable and that you're not going to be able to bank without having a chip in you. And if you don't behave, they can turn off your money and this whole idea. And basically what it's saying is that if you've gotten the vaccine, it's not going to be in this vaccine. It's going to be in vaccine number five or six, like how Bill Gates has a software update and you have to mm -hmm. constantly update your software. The vaccine is the same thing. So it's not going to be in this round. It's going to be in like six months to a year. And so people are going to be so indoctrinated and used to getting the vaccine that by the time they're on round number four or five, it's just going to become like they're used to it. Look how used to we have become to wearing a mask. How quickly? People don't even think about it. So by the time it just becomes part of our system is, oh, okay, my money's attached to this. Oh, yeah, that's convenient. Click. Look at how we use Apple Pay with our phone. Now it's just going to be in our hand or whatever. So 
to think about that, it's like the same thing with the Anunnaki. We're enslaving ourselves. And so what she talks about in that video is that we're becoming a voluntary slave race. And so I'm talking about this on a podcast. And for those of you listening, you're like, oh my God, Tamisha, you sound like a nutbag, right? This is crazy. Hey, maybe I do. Maybe I do. But this is the thing. We're sharing these things on the podcast. If you then decide to still subscribe to that and that happens, at least it's out there. You can do your own research. And that's what I always to share is it just consider, do your own research and that's that. And you can take it or you can leave it. And that's what it's all about. And there's still a lot of things that I hear. I'm, I don't know. But I, one thing I've learned um, is that I have an open mind and I don't judge anything anymore because there are so many things I was like, oh, that could never happen. And then in 2020, things have happened. Like I never thought the whole mask thing would become a standard. I was like, there's no way people are going to walk around with a mask. Like I, I never thought that would become a standard and here we are. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything is possible. Y'all. Anything <laughs> is possible. And yeah. I like that coming at it with an, with an open mind. I think that's important. Don't dismiss it just because it's new. Don't dismiss it because it sounds crazy. There's a reason that it sounds crazy to you. Like you said, take a look at that. If you are triggered by it, think, why is it? Is it because I was raised on religion for half my life? Like maybe that's it. Maybe it's because I don't want to even think about this because I feel guilty because my parents would disown me. There's a reason that you feel that way. But if you can, nothing's going to hurt with you just thinking about something. Nobody has to know. <laughs> and the last thought I want to leave this with is imagine this disclosure in 180 days that Joe Rogan, who has a huge platform, just shared. So many people still doubt aliens. And if our, whoever is the president in the new year, who knows at this rate, shares, all right, guys, here they are. How many minds are going to just go to that? That's so going to be, so I think 2021 is going to be wild. It is. Everybody's, I see everybody in like their marketing schemes and stuff, not schemes, but just like, all right, 2022, 2020 is finally over. Y'all, it's just, we're going 2020 part two. Like this isn't over. Let's look at the pandemic when the first time it happened and was it 1918? It lasted two years and they oh. didn't have any of this. So yeah, we have more health advancements, but we also couldn't travel the world in three hours. So I think it's evening out, I think at least two, three years. So another year of this, y'all think this is still over. You're, you're mistaken. It's not over yet. So don't get too excited about the new year yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're still, this is like a whole nother rabbit hole. Because I know uh -huh. you and I were texting. I was like, Evan, time doesn't exist. So I think we're still in the construct of time. Oh. We're like, oh, it's a new year. And so I think people get excited to say goodbye to 2020. For those of you listening that are on a spiritual journey, which is probably most of you, if you're listening to this podcast, you get to a point where you are able to recognize that even time is something we've made up. It's just something that we've, yeah, we've just agreed to it, but it doesn't actually exist. And so that's why just to bring this conversation full circle, don't wait till the new year to, to set goals and to implement those tiny habits and to reinvent yourself and all of those gems that you dropped. The time is now. All we have is now. And so with that being said, I want to ask you two more things before we hop on, hop off here, because we've been talking for a while, is number one, what do you do in the morning? What do you do to set up your day, to get a fresh start? Because I've been listening to so many podcasts. I've been interviewing a ton of people. And I've been learning so much from other people and I've implemented a lot of things too. So what does your morning routine look like? Sure. I make my bed, 
Well, for, first and foremost, this is another, this is a tiny habit that I pulled from this tiny habit book and I've loved it so far. I put my feet on the floor and I give myself a little smile and I say, this is going to be a good day. Setting yourself up for success. You're already giving yourself positive reinforcement for anything that's ever happened. That's already helped me in the week I've been doing it. So then I make my bed. I maybe meditate on my made bed for about 10 minutes or so. And then about 10 a.m. every morning, I have a reminder set on my phone that reminds me. It's basically my gratitude reminder. So it just reminds me to say out loud a couple things that I'm grateful for. It could be family. It could be having warm socks. <laughs> it could be anything. So I think those positive reinforcements right at the beginning of the day are, are, are really good. Because otherwise, you'll wake up and be like, oh, I have so many notifications. I have so many emails. I'm broke. Don't do that. Uh, if you're setting yourself up for failure for the whole day. So those positive things for sure help. I really love that you said I meditate on my uh, made up bed because I still meditate in my bed, but it's like still like it's still just messy. I like the idea of making my bed and meditating on the bed while it's made up. Yeah. It'll and I do it at the other end that I'm not sleeping on because then it just feels like sleep. Exactly. Which sometimes yeah. happens to me. I'm like, okay, I'm sitting uh, up, but I kind of want to just like this. Exactly. Yep. I love that. See, this is why I asked that question. It, it, I feel like it's refining my own routine. So sure. thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. No One last question before we wrap up, and it's been such a pleasure having you on. What are some words of wisdom or life advice that you can share with us that has really helped you so far in your journey? Sure. I'm a big... I'm a big poster and advocate over getting past overthinking. So being aware when you're overthinking, I think is really important. So that awareness piece all comes back to that. If you're not being self-aware, you'll never get to this point. But once you get to that point where you're like, oh yeah, I'm able to notice what I'm doing. If you're in a project or something, whether it's, a, let's tie back to music, that's my specialty. If you're doing a project and you're trying to release it and you're, you've, you just need to, locate when you're overthinking and just acknowledge it and say out loud, I think I'm overthinking this. I'm getting too bogged down in the details. That will help that that positive reinforcement. Not, not, not necessarily positive, but it's a reinforcement that you're like, great, now I know the problem, the roadblock, now I can overcome it. That's what I see most as artists are just like, they have 60 plus songs and there's, but I don't know how to like release it the right way with this or that. You're overthinking it. Just release it. Just do it. Just post it. Just do it. Just do it. I really wanted to yell real loud into the mic and do that Shia LaBeouf thing. Have you ever seen that? Where you just, no. just do it. Look that up. It's him in front of a green screen. Just like he does some crazy stuff all the time. Yeah, it's him just like yelling at the camera to yell at people to just like get off their ass and do it. It's so hilarious. I'll send it to you. Okay. That's awesome. I love that. But yeah, just stop overthinking. Catch yourself in that moment and just go for it. Like you said, only time we have is now. The, the actual time we have on this earth is very small. So what's the worst that'll happen? <laughs> So true. I love that perspective. I appreciate you coming on. Um, definitely going to plug your company and everything that you've done. And uh, I just appreciate you. And I've worked with you for two years. So obviously I think you're amazing and you've helped me rebrand 
everything that I'm doing. And yeah, yeah, I just appreciate you. So I'm going to just put this up on the screen. And those of you that are listening to the podcast, if you are interested in uh, joining the community, they have a monthly membership. So if you want to be a part of the Artist Collective community, you can check it out at www.artistcollect.com. And so the membership is $19 a month. It's uh, filled with so much educational value. And so we have a Facebook community. It's a private community. I think there's like 100 members as of now. And yeah, there's a plug every Wednesday where you can shamelessly plug if you have a release or if you have a pre-save, anything like that. So you can network with one another. There's producers, there's managers there, videographers, you name it. And especially with everything becoming virtual, I think it's almost a blessing in disguise, honestly, because people now have that on their radar. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So there's a great way to, to be able to collaborate with people. There's also a networking event, which is included with your membership. So that's the first Friday of every month. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. So anything else I'm missing? You want to plug? It. Yeah. <laughs> if you're an artist and you feel like if this has ever come out of your mouth or gone to your minds, we are probably the platform for you. And that is, I need a team. Great. We're the team. We're the team for you. And it doesn't just consist of the experts, meaning like the industry professionals, but that's why it's called Artist Collective. We are truly a collective of artists, just like Vibe Queen here, ton of a hundred other members that can help you along your journey, whether whatever you need to fill those holes in your business. We, we are here for you and we're just going to help you grow. So get back to the music. Love it. And then last, last but not least, if you do want to reach out to Evan, I know you're really great in regards to like just connecting with people via DM. So I just put that up on the screen. So AC underscore Evan, and then your business page at Artist Collect on IG. That's it. I appreciate you for having me. This is fun. I'm excited to see where this, this new journey takes this podcast. I think you're definitely on to, on, onto the right path, but uh, you just go, you just, you're just living proof that you shouldn't be afraid to pivot. Shouldn't be afraid to, to dive deeper into what you're doing and your values or focus has changed and that's okay. And you don't need to be tied to anything ever. So yeah, love, you've, love seen, you've seen the pivots for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. And I have plenty of my pivots as well. So yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll have you on again. So yes, we'll talk soon. Cool. Thank you. Bye. If you are listening and you are a creative, whether you're an artist, producer, manager, anything like that, and you're looking for a like-minded community to network and collaborate and learn more about the music industry, and you're interested in seeing what Artist Collective is all about, and you enjoyed today's show, uh, please take a moment and take a screenshot of this episode and tag Vibe Talk Awaken, as well as AC underscore Evan, and please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, let us know what you thought, if this episode brought you value, and we will actually send you a free month membership of Artist Collective so you can experience it for yourself. I've actually been a part of the community for going on two and a half years now and Evan has actually helped me uh, come up with the name Vibe Queen and so he had a very big part of my uh, rebranding for my career so I'm eternally grateful and I'm, I feel very fortunate to have him as a friend as well so shout out to Evan and shout out to the entire Artist Collective team and I uh, just want to thank you guys for listening and for your support doesn't go unnoticed, no I appreciate you all, sending you lots of love. Until next time.